0: Hello, and welcome to episode 237 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories, one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Travis Gibb, creator of Expired, on Kickstarter now. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Travis, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast and and joining us. Um, Let's start off with a uh, quick bio about yourself, uh, an elevator pitch for this cool book, and then we'll dive deep into, uh, you know, the good old making comics talk
1: yeah 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 um bio i was uh found on a stream dying uh, by a elderly man who gave me to my parents uh you know who said raise this boy as your own um luckily i'm here and alive uh, my parents have since died whether or not that's related to you know grabbing random old men's babies or not is irrelevant it's really not irrelevant to the story <laughs> <laughs> But yes, I'm Travis Gaber, comic creator. I do all sorts of stuff. Uh, hopefully you've heard of me. If you haven't, um, I'm messed, most known for Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies, Cthulhu Invades of Oz, and Voodoo Nations. Um, this is my newest book. It's called Expired. Uh, Expired is about a world that's basically Hawaii. So it's about 98% water. And on this world, there is a ruling class and that ruling class dictates how much oxygen every member of society gets. Uh, And this is a story of people trying to go against that that kind of status quo, heroes. It's kind of a sci-fi action uh, story.
0: Nice. And is this sort of a... uh an idea or a concept that you've had for, for a while? Cause I know that you mentioned the stuff that you've been, you, 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 you're known for, you know, broke down voodoo nations, and this is something new. Is it something that's sort of been percolating in the back of your head for a while? Or was it like a recent spark of inspiration? You're like, Oh, I have this stuff, uh, you know, these elements here, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this together.
1: So actually this one is the first comic in orange cone. One of the reasons why I wanted to come on here, uh, I was just talking about why we're off air. Like I, I, I have tons of projects coming out. And I, when I come to Matt's uh, show, and both of you guys' are show, sorry, not just Matt's show, um, I love that you guys uh, talk about the creating the comics and the elements of that. And this is kind of a new creative development for me. This was a friend of mine, Brent. Uh, he came to me and said, hey, I have this idea. So we had the idea of the islands. So I'm getting messages. I tried to shut off my, uh, my Google Chrome and it keeps coming. <laughs> my Facebook Messenger. Uh, so I asked, Uh, So he asked me to do this comic for him. He came up with the basic ideas. He had some more extended plot that is spoiler heavy, so I can't really share it, but he came up with the basic idea and hired me to write it for him. So I did it. I I wrote the story, added my own elements, really expanded on the universe and interviews recently. He's been saying I was a heavy hitter and uh, I, I definitely was. I just it's good to hear him say it so he knows. Because uh, you hear these stories of, uh, you know, story story by somebody else and then written by where they're like, I did it all. And the writers are like, no, you didn't. Uh, but he seems to understand my work and what I've done for it. But, yeah, he hired me. Uh, and then I get to hire the team. You know, I pick the writer, the, the artist, uh, the letter, the colors, because he didn't know any of that. And he kind of just looks at the pages, approves them and moves forward. So though it's an Orange Cone comic, it's actually kind of produced by somebody else. So kind of an investor but it's under my uh, company, which is kind of a neat thing.
0: Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. And that had to be a new experience for you, um, you know, with, you know, broke down at sort of, you know, your baby from, from, from soup to nuts. This was something that was brought to you with, with various, you know, pieces in place. And then you're sort of flushing it out. I had a similar experience with, with Noah. I had a story idea that I couldn't just quite break. Um, And he, you know, I, I ran it past him and he was able to put some of the elements together to, to, to finish it off. So, yeah, there's there's at times where, um, you know, you're able to sort of either have part of a story or come into a story and, and put it together. And that sounds like what, what you're doing here.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's putting it together and, you know, creating my elements. And one of the cool things that's happened, you know, it's about oxygen. That was always the thing. But it has society changed in this last, because this book has been in development about a year and a half. Um, you know, just took a while while to get everything together. Uh, you know, he was paying for it. So it's when he had money, he would he would send it to me. He's disabled. yeah. Uh, so he, he has disability checks. So he doesn't have a ton of money to, to, you know, give into this on the regular. So it, it took a little bit longer than a Travis Gibb production. But because of that, we had the, you know, Black Lives Matter movement with you can't breathe. And we had the coronavirus and people fighting over masks and stuff. And it's really kind of changed, even though the concept was done before that. Kind of my my thoughts of breath meaning life and what that looks like, and kind of adding those elements to the story as I've gone through and kind of expressing how I feel about that stuff. So it's been a unique experience, and I've been able to evolve it as you know the world around me has changed overnight for all of us.
0: Right. So when you're This idea is brought to you um, and there's some aspects of it. Are you sort of, did you turn over like an outline that was like pretty general at one point and then move it to a point where you're like, okay, this is what I want to accomplish sort of like at the midpoint of an issue. This is what I want to accomplish, like, you know, act one and then even further breaking it down to like, all right, page one, sort of the the motivation is like an intro of a character here. Uh, you know, two is sort of an exciting incident. Like, did did you start like really high up and each time you sort of made the story a little bit more granular, you, you ran it over to Brett?
1: Yeah, so what I did is I wrote, wrote the a four-issue arc and I said, here's what I want for the elements, one, two, three, and four. Here's the major plot points of each of them. Here's what we're going to touch on on the thing, because each island has its own um, culture. So, we designed a whole bunch of islands that he designed. He designed the islands, the culture, and I talked about how these characters will interact with them. So, I did kind of a core outline of the four issue arc. And then I wrote the first issue once he approved that. And then from there, there's certain elements of, you know, this is where uh, it not being in my complete control, where it's a little different, right? So, I wrote it and he's like, hey, these elements to my story are super important. I didn't see those in issue one or I didn't see what I wanted to see from them. What can we do? And that's where we had to, to give and take for both parts, right, where I was like, well, you don't want to give everything off in the beginning, you know, because he has this grand idea he's never written a comic, you know, where I'm like, hey, we need to show off this world first. What does this world look like? Let people alchemy to the world first, and then we can add some of those elements. So kind of give a take back and forth and that really developed the script. And then even having Chuck as the editor, Chuck coming in on the other end Um, even though I had this whole breath thing it was just kind of a a subplot you know the the breath on the arms and the armbands I kind of wanted to explain that and kind of like a like a dossier at the end instead of you know in the book and he was like no everybody should if breath is so important there, like that should be part of their speech you know they should just no different than Star Wars you know may the force be with you it should be by the breath or something like that so Chuck had to add those elements and really you know all three of us making the story better.
0: Nice, and I guess maybe one last sort of structure question: as far as the, did you always envision it as four or for something that you're like comfortable with working? Because I think incorrectly, if I'm wrong, like broke down is four. Like, is that like a structure that you're sort of comfortable with working in, and sort of like a comic sort of series, or did it just sort of happen that way?
1: Yeah, bro- so Broke Down um, broke Down's for Voodoo Nation's for that is kind of my structure. But, you know, as someone who's read bro- Broke Down, I know you've read it, you know, my last issue was 40 pages, so it probably should have been five, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should, probably should have fleshed it out a little bit more. Uh, hopefully, I don't have that problem with Voodoo. Um, so, yeah, that was the plan. Um, but one of the things I'm doing with Expired, because of when you're talking about sci fi, it's just such vast universes, right? Like, uh, and I haven't written issue two yet. I haven't, this is, is crazy to me. Like before I ever had Vood- Voodoo, is done. Voodoo Nation, I wrote it. Like it's all done. Like I have to write it and get it out where this guy pays me. So I'm not writing issue two. It's all I'm paid for. It. Just kind of a, not because I don't believe issue two is coming. I just want to be, you know, you didn't pay me for it. So I'm not going to write it yet. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. So this is going to be the first one where I'm not going to put one of four on it just in case it expands to five. I'm just going to say it's a mini series. Um, but yeah, my my act structure tends to be four. You know, where one, two, and three is a two-act structure, and then three is the third act, and you, you go all in uh, for that. For the Pretty formulaic on that that end. Thanks for pointing it out, Matt.
0: No, no, no. I, I don't think I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's, uh, you know, if you think there's a lot of people that sort of develop like a thing that the, that they're known for when they tell tell a story. And it's not that it's formulaic. It's it's something that, like, uh, you're known for. Like, all right, like a Nolan movie. Like, you know that there's going to be some sort of, like, element of, like, twisting time and, and, and going right. like that. So it's, just so it's not that it's formulaic. It's just something that you're known for.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's more, to be honest, I think it's just more my love of Marvel.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: you know, Marvel, if you're a main series, you go on forever, or it's a four-issue miniseries. Right. That's just the way it was in the in the 90s. I think now they're five issue miniseries, but when I was growing up, you know, the X-Men and then the Storm four issue miniseries, the Gambit, Victor what, four issue miniseries, the Iceman four issue miniseries. I think that's just in my head what I think of, you know.
0: Okay. So let's um let's talk about the team because you said that um, you know, you were contacted. Uh, to write the comic, and you were also sort of tasked with uh, putting the team together, something that you've done before, you know, making a comic, running a Kickstarter. Um, what, who are the, what's the team on, on this book? And there's people that you've worked with uh, before that you were comfortable with? So
1: I'm going to give some dirt on this because I'm going to be like that. I'm just going to be like that. Uh, because I think that your podcast is about constructing comics, so I'm going to be as honest as I can about this process. Okay. So uh, we're going to talk about Danny, who is uh, the, the artist. I can't even think of his last name right now. Um, and the reason why I can't think of his last name right now is because of our relationship. Him and I did not vibe well. Um, we picked him up. Uh, he was actually a recommendation from uh, David Byrne from Scout. You know, he was like, oh, I see this guy kind of fits your style. You know, him and I talk about comics kind of like you, uh, you and your team. Danny uh, Kersnicki is what he says, uh, but he's from Russia and he was very difficult to work with. He produced beautiful art. You know, uh, you did you get a chance to read the first issue or at least look it over?
0: I got a chance to glance at it. Yeah, the uh, yeah. It, is, it is beautiful stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful art. And like the art gets better as he goes. Like he significantly gets better midway through the book. Like his art gets drastically better, which is crazy. Uh, but he was very difficult to work with. Um, And that's something you're going to have to deal with within because you kind of make a deal and what do you want to stop? Uh, What do you want to do? How do you want to handle it? Um, So that was tough. And it wasn't that his art was bad or but if I asked for any adjustments, he was very, very difficult. Um, Money wise, you know, uh, he's in Russia and he would message me at like two in the morning demanding money, knowing that I had to send it to Brent. Like I told him the whole process, you know, you had to do that. So it was very, very tough. Um, I don't think it would be hard for somebody else to work for if you're like a one-person thing where you have to, can pay them immediately and approve everything immediately. But because I had that extra element, it was very, very tough. You know, so I won't. I'm not trying to blast the guy that he's not. Uh, don't work with him. I'm just saying that these are my frustrations that I had with him, and it could be just because of the time gap because I couldn't make those final decisions right, and I had to, to get all those things. So that was tough, but it was good um alan emmanuel did the colors he's our our colors for voodoo nations so we hired him to continue on to that and then i use the same letter for everything so that's jerome and he created that brilliant logo that that logo is amazing yeah but yeah i'm gonna let you respond to that so i just kind of put a artist on blast so let's discuss that i think
0: Well, no, I think this could be an interesting and sort of informative uh, thing uh, to to discuss because, you know, I might not go into as much detail as that you just did, but Noah and I have had some some difficulties um, on some stuff that we have worked on, you know, time differences, just sort of people dropping off in like, you know, three or four days, you know, we're, we're just not hearing things back from them and, you know, we're just like, hey, you know, we're trying our best to keep the schedule, you know, we're all indie creators. We're doing this on the side. You just got to be sort of like, you know, straightforward with us. Don't sort of, you know, so I think this is, could be valuable. Um, like a discussion for people who are making comics, like what happens when you sort of hit a rocky patch in in production or, you know, if somebody just sort of takes three or four days off and doesn't respond to messages right. and, 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 you know, pages don't come back the letters don't come back so I think this could be valuable um so you you were saying that it was you know it was difficult in that you had a time difference um you know adjustments to art you know were, were difficult there was the, the the payment process um so like was your how did you did you handle like did the way you handled that change throughout like was it like were you a like maybe more accommodating at first. And then like, after like three or four times you're like, Hey, you know, yeah. this is, this is becoming an issue. Like, let's, I, I can't deal, you know, I got, I got a lot of stuff going on. I can't deal with, you know, messages coming in about this and this. So, how, so was it like, did you try to do like carrot and stick at first? And then it was like more like hard line, like, Hey, you're yeah, for hire course. here.
1: Yeah. yeah. It was, it was 100% that, you know, in the beginning, it was very nice trying to, just explain the process and you know there's a language gap right when we're indie comics there's a lot of uh, there's a language gap so you had to be sympathetic on trying to get that and i had to be sympathetic of him he was like i have these other jobs that i need to do if you can't you know uh commit to this or or this because we we did a we were paying him every five pages so we were paying him and he's like i need to do 10 pages or he kept trying to can push that further out so he could get a ba- bigger paycheck. And I was like, no, we need this. And part of it was because of deadline, he wasn't hitting deadlines all the time. And um, sometimes he was, and sometimes when he was hitting those deadlines, it was clearly rushed. That's why I had to, to go back and do things. So it was very frustrating. And then towards the end, I mean, him and I were, were very, very like, like at each other going, Hey man, I don't uh, you know, we need to finish this project and you're, it's not a priority to you. Like, I'll give you extra money. You know, I end up giving him extra money to finish the project faster um, because of such the frustration of this this back and forth. And, you know, he quit one time and it was very, very frustrating. Him and I just didn't vibe. And it's not the quality there because he's a very fantastic artist, but him and I didn't jive on production on what he wants to do. I mean, I don't even know if he's doing stuff anymore, to be honest. You know, he was always like looking for more work. So either he's got a good... Work right now or he stopped you know the hustle you know uh, but it's it's really sad that that something like this happens right because david from scout you know wanted me to kind of use him and recommended him so that means a scout guy was going hey maybe he'd be a good fit for a scout book you know and then i i have to report back so that's one of the things i'll say to artists if you're listening to hey man know who you're working with you know on, on where you where that referral may have came from you know it's not, he may have been referred to you by somebody else and you don't know it.
0: Interesting. So I, I have one more question and I'm gonna let Noah check in here. Like, so I'm guessing that, um, and if you don't wanna answer this, this is fine, but I'm I'm guessing that going forward, there's gonna be an, an art change on the book.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for an artist that can do a similar style uh, to replace him because I, I, this is the first guy I've ever in my life refused to work with again. I, I refuse to work with him again. Um, and again not because of his art style it's just it was so stressful and especially when you have to factor in that this is not my book at the end of the day Mm -hmm. so it's extra stress on me you know why I'm trying to produce a book uh, for my company uh, you know for for Orange Cone but you know uh, it's not like Brent didn't pay me for this extra production work it's just he doesn't know how to do it so I'm doing it does does that make sense and I'm writing it anyways so I think any writer would want a more hands-on approach if you can get it. So it's not a bad thing. It's just, uh, figure it out. So yeah, moving forward, I'm going to have to, but even he doesn't even have a cover on the book because he tried to charge me a, uh, I won't put him on box for this, a ridiculous amount of war of money for a cover. Like, like literally I can get a, uh, a, a, an image guy for this price, wow. like a high level image price. So a drastically, high. and this is early on in the process, like, drastic from page like imagine i'll just throw a random cover so imagine like page was a quarter it's often that at a quarter and then he literally wants a hundred dollars for the cover so just give you a gap of where we're at like they're not even we're not playing the same sport right Mm -hmm. i'm asking you to play you know little league baseball with me and you're playing cricket <laughs> over in England. Like, yeah. like we have to buy plane tickets. There's all sorts of things. That, and that's not what I want. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's sad, because I think, I always feel you, if you did a book, you're, your art should be on the cover.
0: True. And is it, yeah. impo- is it important to you that um, when you you mentioned this but it's important to you that when you go forward you're going to try your best to find somebody that sort of matches the his style from 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 the first obviously it won't be you know a direct one to one correlation but you're you, you're going to try to keep consistency as, as much as you can
1: i am i am the other thing that i may do uh, is I may make it more artsy. You, so I may add a chapter one. So, I was saying, the, so I'm either going to get someone who's very close to art style or I'm going to do be a little bit more artsy where I'll do act one and then act two. Because if I put that like actual visually right act two and like maybe a quote, showing that we're kind of changing acts so the art style can change. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? So like, yeah. if it's in a trade, it's not going to feel so bad um so yeah absolutely you know um but yeah i'm gonna try my best to to fix that because i you know everyone hates it when you replace an artist everybody hates it it's it's a horrible thing but sometimes it happens
2: yeah yeah it's 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 pretty great that we live in a world that sort of is easier on indie indie creators to find artists in other countries um But the big thing with that is, is like, you can be connected to someone across the globe, but if they're not willing to put in the work of communication, that really sucks. And then add on top of that, obviously the, like you can't, especially with like a language barrier, you can't always tell like, is this something where it's like, is this ego getting in the way? Is this an external circumstance getting in the way? And only if they're communicating is, are we able to figure out what's going on and work with each other better? But if one of those parties is not willing to communicate, it's like, like, what can you do? Right. It's so difficult. Um, yeah. Or and it's not even across the country. It's like you know, across the globe, it can be across the country. It's just, you know, it's, it's sort of the catch 22 of like, yeah, we can all be connected, but you really got to put in the work to be connected, you know, at the end of the day.
1: Well, it, absolutely. And you, and you get what you pay for all on these things too, right? Like you can hire the best artist overseas that does amazing, amazing art. But that guy's not going to help you promote the book. And if he does, it's going to get you... Inter- if we're talking about Kickstarter, international backers, which are very expensive because there's no way to figure out how much international is. You can up that to $1,000 for international shipping. It'll still be $1,001. You know, yeah. <laughs> international shipping is the worst. Uh, you know, I just shipped out to Australia and it was $40. Um, but I had to remove my gemini uh no keep it in the gemini put it in an envelope to reduce 40 dollars. because if i send it in the gemini it was gonna cost me 65 so Mm -hmm. i had to put it in another um, like all these different strings to get it to it's reasonable and i charged the guy 30 so i'm already out 10 bucks through this whole process anyways
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've had the i've had the nightmare of of going to the uh to the post office and sending something to Australian and just be like, well, I'm pot committed now. It's, you know, let's, I, I, I got to pay this money to, 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 to get it there. And it's just sort of like, it's, it's, you know, it's something you have to do. Um, let's, let's talk about sort of like the, the frustration that you were feeling like something that I sort of encounter sometimes when I'm making comics and like, I'll have a discussion with my wife about it. Like, this is sort of like a, like a jobby, like a, in between like a job and a hobby for me. And I'm like, you know, it's going to cause me some stress, but like when it causes me stress, I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, I get enough stress from like day-to-day life. Like this is something that I'm doing to like, you know, be creative and have a little bit of fun. Like, what was it like for you to, to, to have that sort of stress sort of introduced to your life, you know, in something that you love to do and something that you're, you're passionate about, about doing.
1: It's, it's a miserable experience because uh, in this particular thing, it's such a, there's various variables, right? So this guy wants his money at two in the morning. I need this guy to check, but because of his disability. So his disability is he has a brain injury. um, So he has metal plates and stuff. So sometimes he just can't function for a couple of days. Like screens will upset him. So he can't function. So he literally can't look at screens for a couple of days, you know, and no fault of his own, you know, and doesn't mean he can't create a comic. Doesn't mean he can't do whatever he needs to do. These things are very frustrating, you know, when we're putting all these things together, how do I get this guy taken care of? Um, and this 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 guy in Russia, rightfully so wanting his money, but I'm not, I can't tell him what, I can tell him what I want him fixed on the art, but that could counter pursue what Brent wants to fix on the art. So it's, there's all these people around that need to do this. So it's extremely frustrating you know and at the end of the day, you can't make final segments. Like, even the kickstart is a little slower than I'd like. You know, if I fund or do something and I have a stretch goal, I, i of course, I should have prepared for this. I didn't prepare stretch goals. I'm like, hey, can we do this? You want to do this? You want to do this cover? You want to do that? Or, um, I've sold, uh, as you know, I, I'm really good at selling store exclusives, so I've sold two store exclusives, so I had to commission the art, and again. I wanna get this out as quickly as possible because I have another Kickstarter I wanna do before the end of the year. So I Mm -hmm. want this finished and like in production, like the minute the Kickstarter ends, like so I can fulfill. So it is crazy, like trying to do all those things and it's adding so much stress to my life, but I love it. I love the book and I love doing it. Like the stress, uh, even though it's very stressful, I'm like, there was a time where I didn't think a person would read my book. And now I'm like writing for somebody else who hired me to write, to get a book out to my market that has my late, not only did this guy hire me to write a book. He was like, I want you to produce my book. You know, I want you to put it under your label. I don't want an online thing. I trust you that much. That's the huge responsibility. Yeah. So like weighing in on that and trying to do right by everybody and making sure everything's right. Like, even as I continue to talk about this, I'm like, huh, I should probably should have told him I was going to get a little bit more construction on construction comments, hopefully I don't get yelled at. But hey, it is what it is.
2: <laughs> I- I, I, what you're saying makes so much sense though, because I remember last year being stressed out about about comic projects and this year being stressed out about comic projects, but there just comes down to something like, I don't know what it is, but like, I would rather be doing it than my day job at the end of the day, you know, and I don't mind my day job that much, but like, it's, I just thought I was complaining about my day job the other day. And I was just like, this is not my career. You know, like I don't want this to be my career. Like I would rather, I would rather it be comics. Even though there are some days where I'm just so exhausted from the day job that I can't do comics. And um, but at the same time, it's just like with the stress of the comics and everything like that. It just sort of is like uh, I don't know. It's sort of a cheesy way of saying it, but that's sort of how you know it's real. The passion is the stress, and obviously you don't want to be torturing yourself. But like I don't know, it shows that you care, right? At the end of the day.
1: right and how many people we seen quit right who they have an issue one and they never came out with that issue two Mm -hmm. and you talk to them oh we'll get to it eventually you know that that's not the case I actually just read a thing from Eric Larson where he posted about these creators who were really on like an up directory of their career and then they kept saying oh you you really did this you reinvented that and then they get stuck and they don't create anymore because they need to break that barrier for the next book and if they don't do that, they just don't want to do it. Uh, and it sucks. So yeah, I think that that's, I think this is when it becomes that, no, this is a career for me. So if I want to, to do comics, I want to stress. even my wife the other day, I was complaining about, you know, all these things I have to do to get this book out. Because the book after this is Holiday Spirits, which is Jerome. Um, and that's a that's another book that's not a Travis book right? It's really <laughs> not my book. These aren't my ideas. I helped produce them and they're like, orange. And then after that, it's Cthulhu Invades Wonderland. Even though I have tons of Travis-only books, but now I somehow became a publishing company overnight. Wasn't my plan. Wasn't my intention. Just kind of <laughs> did. And I wanted to write by all these people, but just trying to find that out and going, all right, um, putting other people first and put, and helping you know build everybody's name and building the company's name is important where when it started it was all about Travis's name. How do I get myself now? But this year, uh, you know, I can tell you guys more off the air, but I have two contracts right now that I have to sign for publishing deals, you know, and a third that's like a handshake deal that produce the book and then we'll sign the contract type of thing. You know, it's 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 there. So like I'm about to start this new phase where I'm gonna be doing, you know, kind of what you guys have been doing with a little behemoth and uh, I think you guys, uh, uh, Red 5 has got one too, right? You got some stuff?
0: Yeah, um, I'm, I'm working with them, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So looking at all those things, so I'm at this next phase of my career, but I'm still doing Kickstarter. What does that look like? And how, how am I going to balance both, you know? The, the marketing for that and the marketing, because it's different marketing for both to, to get all that stuff out. So it's crazy, but you, no, you're absolutely right. It became real overnight. And you either gotta like stick in the stress, or or give up, and or you weren't ready for this.
2: Yeah, and it's it also is the thing where it's like, you know, I've been loving reading Strange Adventures because it's like you read that, and then all the quotes at the end of it are just confirming like how painful comics are. Like from like for like <laughs> the last like hundred years, it's said like nothing has changed. Like right. everyone is just like everyone that we admire who is in comics is just like. Like, why am I doing this? You know, like it's like like but it's like it, it has to come from a deep love of it, though, and the stories that you get to tell with it and everything like that, because it's like just from the one story that Matt and I have wrote together, there's nothing like that feeling of getting art back, right. you know, where it's like, oh, my gosh, we're telling a story here that we want to tell. That's so cool or that just someone might read someday. That's really cool. You know, it's like, I read stories and now people are reading stories that I wrote. And it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to describe, but it is sort of this, like, no, it's a give and take, right? Like you really can't have it all at the moment. And I'm sure even people who are super successful at it are still like ripping their hair out of their heads at times, you know, just with stress. Um, It's
1: so scary I was in a creator group on live, live and I asked them if anybody read mainstream comics and none of them did. Hmm. Like like they said, oh, I occasionally read Batman, but they weren't up to date. They couldn't tell me the writer. was. So you really don't read Batman, but you read a graphic novel in the last 10 years, cool. Um, but all of them said, because I, I tricked them and asked them for well, what's your goal? Oh, I eventually want to work for Marvel DC. But you don't even know what they're writing. You don't even know what their <laughs> art is. And then you even take that one step further like where people who are reading like me, who, who read tons of Marvel and DC every day, I look at it and I'm smart enough to know, even if I make it to Marvel and DC, like you only got a five to 10 year stint at Marvel and DC, right? Like Ed Brubacker isn't relevant over there. He's a fantastic writer. Brian Michael Bendis is on his way out, right? Peter David and Mark Waid are begging for like small little four issue minis. Like it's insane and these people are, but it's just the way of comics right? Yeah. We are literally fighting to get a chance to be replaced in like five to 10 years based on how well we did on our last project. It's absolutely insane that that is the the end goal is to then be let go by a bigger company and hope Image still wants you. Uh-huh.
0: I never <laughs> thought of it that way. <laughs> Yeah, well, when you were talking about it, I was thinking that it's sort of like, uh, uh, to, to use a sports analogy here, it's like, if you think about like being an NFL head coach, like those guys like, you know, go through the trenches, and there's only like 32 jobs there. So they're like the top of the top. And eventually, they're all they're going to get fired at some point, you know, yeah. Like the, 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 you know, no matter how great they do, how much, you know, they might bring the city, you know, one, two Super Bowl titles, eventually they're going to wear out their welcome and they're going to get fired. I know there's a there are few uh, exceptions where people retire and get to go out on their own terms, but most of those guys, you know, it's going to end with, you know, a knock on the door that, uh, you know, the owner wants to see you uh, pack up your stuff. So let's, Let's turn. Let's turn back to sort of more of the the the, the joy of creating. The after we talk about sort of the the, the, yeah. the stressful nature of it, so um,
2: you,
1: you, you, I'm turning you into the bitter podcast. It's
0: no, 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 no,
2: no. I think um, we've tried to keep. We kept a positive spin on things. You know, I think we're, we're doing. I don't
1: thing. want to do anything else. So if it makes you feel better, like I just want to keep doing comments.
0: No, I, no, I hear you there. Um, yeah, I, I think there was one point. And the, the one of the projects that Noah and I were working on where like uh Noah and I just had a discussion. We were like, you know, not everybody has the sort of the the interest and the desire to to do it as much as as much as we do. So like, yeah, there's certain, you know, you can be into comics and read comics, and then you can maybe sort of have like the idea that, like, hey, it'd be interesting to to write it. But actually, you know, there's sort of like this like you got to really be into it and really sort of have the passion and the desire to do it. And, and more to your point, like you might sort of have the muse wants to, you know, do it, but like the the, the stick to it and sort of like grind it out each, each day or every, you know, every so months produce something that, that, that's sort of a different level of commitment and desire that certain people have and certain people don't have. And if if you have the passion and the love for, for comics, then that's what you want to do. So Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I, and I don't think you know where you're at on that level until you're in it, right? Justin Birch the other day uh, said, hey, I want to hang out with you because I want to be cool in the comic scene. And I was like, Justin Birch, you literally <laughs> letter every indie comic. Like, I need to hang out with you. Like, <laughs> you're, you're in the wrong thing. But you don't know where your level is until like someone tells you and then you're shocked. And, and that that vibe goes up for a bit and then it's gone the next day right <laughs> you're like all right cool all right, i gotta get back to work <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. so um with with the making of this book you know we, we discussed some of the problems but you know you were you were getting art back um you were turning it over to the the colorist and a letterer that you were comfortable with and and you have a relationship with with Chuck. so um I'm, I'm assuming you were able to maybe use those guys as like sounding boards to sort of, say hey look this is this is the problem I'm gonna did you guys ever have sort of like a I I now I'm turning it back into sort of the negative when I said I was going to go positive but did you guys ever sort of have like a like a internal sort of staff meeting on like how you think you should handle this or did you have or maybe better to the point like did you have one person that was sort of you, you know your sounding board that could sort of bring you back to sort of like hey let's let's just keep pushing here
1: um, no, I kind of kept them out of it. Um, okay. Not because of, of anything, you know, um, in fact, in, up till today, I, I hadn't even decided if I was ever going to speak about the negative part of it. Uh, but, but I feel that your podcast, we know each other pretty well. Like, I feel comfortable. And I feel that people who listen to your podcast would love to hear that, mm-hmm. that that's important to them. So that's why I'm sharing it here. You'll probably never hear it if you listen to other things I'm going to do. In fact, I'm doing two tonight. I won't really talk about this part of it. Uh, so I didn't really need that. I kind of kept it myself and kind of handled it. But at the end of the day, you know, especially as I told you, his art kept getting better. So that that kind of moved me forward. Oh, I need more pages. I need to see it. I need to develop it and, and get it to this next level. I'm super proud of the book, uh, you know, even, without, even with the, the negative part of it. Like, I'm super proud of this book. This book is a, a beautiful piece of, of art um there's some unique design that this guy came up with it feels epic it feels sci-fi um you know it feels familiar because it's got kind of a like dune slash uh, star wars feel to it but it's got some unique elements to it that i think i'm going to really get to play with that's going to be super fun moving forward as i continue to create this universe and the way and the response has been great you know i've, I've seen a whole bunch of people responding to it I mean, we're already funded. We're already doing really, really well. We're at our, our second stretch goal. So I, I think, uh, you know, with all the negatives, it's it's such a great book and it's it deserves to be in the world. And I'm excited. And, you know, I'm with a first-time comic creator who's so stoked, right? Just seeing the art, seeing it colored, seeing all these things go, oh my God, like, uh, did you see this cover? Oh, someone wants to buy a store exclusive? Like, what store? Who are we going to get? Like, what does that look like? that's so much fun Mm -hmm. to see that light it's not that i've lost it but it's so much fun to see it from somebody else's eyes their excitement about this i mean he's like hey travis can i come to your house and we can ship it all together and i was like hey man like no that's not gonna work for me i have a process (laughs) like like, but you can come and pick it up with me like kind of kind of it. but i'm not like i get it like he wants every aspect all these covers he's like I want to do this metal cover and I want to make sure we give some, and I want to do these creator things, like all these really cool things because of his excitement. And that at the end of the day is worth all of it. You know, yeah. I think that's why so many people work for other people in comics, you know, where they they take on a job writing for somebody else's property is seeing them excited about it. You know, I'm sure Donny Cates, uh, it, well, we know actually, because we've seen it play out when Chip Zdarsky went to do that issue of um, crossover, like it, it was amazing. In fact, Chip got more credit, but I think it's beautiful to play in somebody's playground.
0: Nice. So, um, I want to talk about expired more, but maybe we could talk a little bit about, uh, your sort of creative process because you have, you know, you have things in various states of, of production, you know, you, you, you have broke down, which is a, which is a series that you, that you, you know, crowdfunded delivered on, um, you know, you're, halfway through voodoo nations um so you have things in various states of you know production shipping um done you know even when things are done there's still sort of things that are are going on behind the scenes and stuff like that so how do you sort of manage your your day and like uh, you know like i got this project here that's uh, you know point a and I'm, i'm here on this one like how do you keep everything straight
1: uh I manage it poorly, Matt, is what I do. I just, uh, you know, poorly do it. No, I, uh, I do my best, man. It's, it's hard. I try to be ahead of, of what I need to come up next and try to plan out my schedule. Even my wife is writing a comic right now, so I'm trying to figure out how that schedule look is. She's very talented. She's got a really cool script. How do we get all this art? How do we afford all this art? You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's the big thing in getting it all. So I think I just, I, I plan parts of my week. I, I basically pick two books that I handle every week. Okay. So, um, and I think you've even seen it because you're on the Cthulhu Invades Wonderland side. You know, when it's Cthulhu Invades Wonderland, I'll be very active in that group that week. You know, I'll be talking to them. I'll be asking questions. I'll be making sure you share art. I'll be messaging people. Uh, but when it's uh, Voodoo Nations, then I'm, you know, talking to Luke and talking to Jerome and, and talking to, you know, cover artists to, to do the next one. it's broke down you know we're working on the trade and i hired uh you know some people to do backup stories so i'm making sure they're in production and seeing where they're at and making sure everyone's paid in contracts um and then you know i've got some stuff that i'm doing for other publishers you know i'm always doing anthologies and just trying to give everybody their time and making sure i hit deadlines one of the things that i pride myself on is i always hit deadlines i sometimes am night of but i always hit deadlines And making sure that they get their stuff uh, done. Um, But one of the things that I do on a regular basis is just touch into my team and um, make sure that they know where they're at and where I'm at with everything. You know, hey, I need this or this is struggling. Even if it's in a broad sense, letting people know and trying to make it better however I can uh, when I look at stuff. It's a little bit harder when it comes to like Cthulhu Invades Wonderland because it's art of subjective and they have their team and I don't want to step on their toes, but I also know that I can see the bigger flow of the book. So I'm trying to figure out where that fits in. So I Mm can make adjustments accordingly, but most of the time, you know, I get the end all and be all control. So hopefully that answers your question.
0: Yeah, it does. And I think one thing that you mentioned there was, um, that to, 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 to be on time, which is, um, which is important. Like, uh, there was a time where I was working with somebody and uh, they were concerned about Noah hitting a deadline. And I was like, don't worry, Noah's going to hit that deadline. It might be, it might be day of or night of, but like he's, <laughs> he's gonna, you know, in that last three to four days, he's going to know that he's up against that crunch and he's going to, you know, put his nose to the grindstone and he's gonna, he's going to hit it. Um, so like, yeah, I, I think that that's important. Um in if you if you have somebody that you know um is going to meet that deadline and and that that's really important so um yeah i think that that's what you said there is 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 very valuable um i uh i've t- done a couple of classes at comics experience with andy schmidt and he said yeah. that like uh you know the three things is uh you know you have to be talented persistent and lucky so like you know <laughs> So, like you know that that persistence part, you know, that's one thing that you really can control the 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 most, right? Like you can have some in their talent when you get started, and obviously that's going to build the more that you do it. But that like being persistent and and being able to to deliver on time, like that's really the biggest thing that you can control there.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's turn our attention to 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 Kickstarter. so this book was a little bit different for you in that uh, you were working, you know, with, with more moving parts. Um, but I know one thing that's very important to you is, is to um, have a quick turnaround and deliver quickly. So, um, you know, I, I know with a lot of your books, like when you go to Kickstarter, the book is done. It's the the crowdfunding is just to sort of, you know, recoup the the printing costs and stuff like that. And like, once it's funded, it's you're able to just sort of you know, hit the go button with with the with the printer. That's something that's very important to you. Um, so this is I know that there were some snags here, but this is something that you're going to continue to do here, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't put things on Kickstarter till there, and it's never a hundred percent done. It's normally ninety percent done. Uh, so right now we're at uh, you know I sent you the copy, so we've got a couple a few more pages of color, uh, which we will finish before the end of the campaign, um, and then. I think and we're done lettering. So we just got to have Chuck do a final uh, lettering proof, make sure everything's good. You make sure the uh colors thing, but I'll, I'll be sending it to the printer hopefully next week. Like that's that's how soon I want it done. Like I want to send it before even the Kickstarter is done because I kind of know where it's going, right? Like mm-hmm. odds are I'm not going to get another like 10 grand. So I'm going to have to mess up my printing order. So I, I think I figure, figure it out. Well,
0: be careful with uh, not getting that. 10 grand because uh no and i we we happen to know that like jim lee and like alan moore they all they all listen to the podcast so they're probably right. on the kickstarter page right now
1: yeah they're 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 gonna listen they're gonna be like wow he, he didn't really him and that artist had a falling out but you know i trust him so i'm gonna keep it up <laughs> uh, but <laughs> no um yeah i'm probably not doing great for selling please buy the book guys if you're listening to this the book is good we're gonna make more issues it's gonna be awesome uh, but I want to be honest as well about this is construction comics. It's not about, yes, it's about selling Kickstarter, but it's also about the construction of comics. And this is yeah. one of the elements of it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we are very close to being done as like, like I said, you, you got the copy. You, you can see that it's very, very, very deep in production. Like we're looking at like eight pages that need to be colored, not a huge deal. My color colors does about four pages a week. I already have more than what I sent you um so we'll, we'll be done and getting it all taken care of and making sure it's beautiful and pretty because i really this one really needs to get out there because holiday spirits we want to deliver by christmas yeah so i need to launch that next month so i need to launch that towards the end of october so i've got to really get this this all out as quickly as possible this is probably be the fastest turnaround since voodoo voodoo nations one because voodoo nations one I, I sent it out immediately
0: yeah. And that's another thing that's very important to you, which is something that, you know, uh that I, I sort of follow in is that like I won't launch the next project until everything from the last project is is out the door. Like, you know, I won't I'm not I'm not gonna launch, you know, project X when I'm still, you know, packing boxes and, and going to the post office for for you know the the past project. So that's something that's also very important to you is that you know, deliver and then launch, which I don't think we always see in the sort of the crowdfunding, um, crowdfunding sphere. You know, there's notorious characters out there that are launching projects like all the time. And you know that you, that one book that you were waiting for, it still hasn't shown up on your doorstep yet, right?
1: Right. Yeah, no, it happens all the time. And um, some people, even people, even the people who are doing it right, like even the people there is certain people who yes, they they produce another thing, but they will always send the thing. I still feel wrong about that. Even if you're being honest, right? Your delivery dates in April. I know there's uh, there's creators who are like, Hey, my delivery date for this book is in April, but uh, because it's so long, I'm gonna launch another project, you know, because I don't want to wait. Well, I'm sorry, man. Like finish that book first. Like mm-hmm. for me, that's for me. That's as a backer, that's gonna affect my desire to back you. And I think it's important to to do that, to be honest, but if you are going to do that, make sure you're always transparent, yeah. you know, Hey, I'm launching this project, but here's where we're at. Here's where the stuff is. You know, I totally get deadlines. Like I'm trying to look at next year's Kickstarters. Like, can I produce more than four? Cause I'm kind of a max out at four. Like, it just, it just seems even though I try and get things done prep and all that, all it takes is one thing to happen wrong and it all changes. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, we had to make some coloring changes or we lost something or the printer now went to four weeks instead of three, like all those things drastically change anything, you know, or God forbid something personal happens, you know, <laughs> in your life, because it's, again, a hobby.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've had uh, good success on, on Kickstarter, um, you know, and one of the questions that Noah and I ask people that are in the middle of, of running a Kickstarter And I think I might finally get a different answer. Um, What kind of Kickstarter runner are you? Are you a uh, refresh every 30 seconds and look at uh, funding totals and and backer counts? Are you able to sort of go about your day and and check in periodically?
1: Um, If I'm in front of a computer, I refresh all day. But it's not like it used to be when I first started, where I needed to, like, literally, I'd be waking up in the middle of the night with my phone uh on real quick and refreshing to see where I'm at. So it's not as bad as it used to be. Um, you know, once I fund the anxiety of it goes away. Um, so I, I don't really worry about it as much anymore, but it's, it's a lot harder now than it was, you know, the algorithms on Facebook where I got the most of my backers back in the day are against you now. So you have to find new strategies to get backers. So it's a lot harder than it used to be. So it, that causes me to refresh, and that causes me, you know, I'm always wondering, do my fans know? Because I I average about 276, 280 things. So I I when I talk to myself, I I assume that I have 225-ish fans, right? The other 50 are people who are trying me out. So I have a little bit over two. So how do I get to 250, right? How do I get to 250 fans, like consistently, to make sure I have it to to move that bar a little forward? So I'm always like. When I'm under that backer number, like right now I'm at 150. I'm like, all right. So that means uh, I still have 75 of my fans who don't know that I'm launched. How do mm-hmm. I get them to know? Not even assuming they're like, hey, maybe they don't like sci-fi, or hey, you know, maybe, maybe they uh, only like the voodoo book or the broke down book. You know, I, I don't think like that. I'm just like, all right, 75 fans out there who who haven't jumped on yet. I I gotta get them real quick.
0: Nice. Yeah. So no, we found somebody that's almost as much of a, a maniac as, as we are <laughs> Noah and I are Noah and I are uh, refresh every 30 seconds and, and see where we are um but I learned
2: I have to say I learned something every time from everyone's responses to that like no matter who it is whether they're like I'm really involved with how it is you know when the Kickstarter is going or I'm super involved and I'll never leave it alone that kind of thing I really like that you know, you keeping track of your fans idea because that keeps everything in sort of a perspective of who you're doing this for. Right. And then also sort of like who, who will be there to support you. I think that's something I'm going to take with me. So thanks for sharing that.
1: Yeah. I think it's important to, uh, you know, the goal is, well, you always hear that thing. You need a thousand true fans, right? Okay. So my math from me doing Kickstarter, I have about 225, uh, you know, off the of Kickstarter, I probably have another 50 who just don't back Kickstarter who will get my books out of a certain comic store or whatever it gives be. So how do I, all right. So I am a uh, 25% there. Like I need to get the rest. What does that look like? Cause that's my goal. I, mm-hmm. I need a thousand fans. So I can do this for a living. All right. Still pretty far off, but I'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and do you, um, when you're running the Kickstarter, um, I know from like my, my personal experience, like, um, you know, there's, there's certain people that I know that when I launch, um, they're going to come in. Like, it's like the repeating names. So are you seeing a lot of, uh, names and you're like, all right, that's a, that's a broke down backer. This is a voodoo nations backer. Like are you, when those names come in, you, you see that and you sort of like, all right, that mentally, that's part of my two twenty five, 25, my 250. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Ab- absolutely, man. Have you ever used backer kit, man?
0: No, I, I I'm thinking about it. Um, uh, as something that I want to experience well, each time well, I let run Let me ex- tell you
1: something. All right, I'll go tell ahead. you a secret. Um, so, BackerKit, I used it the first time in Voodoo Nations too. You can sign up for BackerKit for free and not actually use the platform. You can kind of like pretend you are. And what they'll do is they'll take all your campaigns and they'll put them in a, in a beautiful chart. And in that chart, it'll tell you how many returning backers and it'll actually give you a, a breakdown of the person and how many of those they backed. Okay which is the coolest thing. This is not a. Uh, this is not part of their services, right? This is just something you do if you import your stuff. So that's been super helpful to me. Um, one of the things I hate about Kickstarter creators uh, is that private message that they send you through the Kickstarter stuff. I don't do that. I tend to just do updates. Um, but Backerkit has kind of changed me that. So if I know you've backed three of my projects before, I don't feel like I'm bugging you if I ask you if I make sure that you know about this project and I see you haven't backed it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I I, uh, I yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I, there's, there's like occasions where... Um, they'll do like the private message and sometimes they, you've backed multiple of their projects. So you get that
1: same message on everything you've backed for them, right? Yeah. So, you know, Action Comics 1, Hey, Travis, uh, you make sure you know Action Comics too. Hey, Travis, make sure you back my new thing. Action Comics Special, Crossover, We Kill Dingo. Uh, make sure you give my new campaign. So it's the same message on all of those. I think for me, that's irritating because it mm-hmm. shows that you didn't care about me as a fan. I'd rather just take a few who I know back my stuff each time. Hey, man, I just want you to know those books out and, and target those ones specifically one time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. There's been days where I've opened up my Mm -hmm. my email and it's like, you know, somebody that I'm a, you know, a repeat backer of and I have six of the same emails and it's like Project X, Project Y, you know, it's just like, (laughs) yeah, that's it's it's uh I think that one-to-one relationship is is a lot more friendly and probably a lot more effective to, you know, reach out. One to one, so the getting the blanket email is, is is a bit frustrating at times. So I, I I hear what you're saying there.
1: Yeah, I mean I respect the hustle. So if you're doing that and you're listening to this podcast, I respect the hustle. It's not that I don't respect the hustle, but this is the way I'm going to do it to make it more personal to really acquire true fans. Sure.
0: Um, so another thing that you do is you do a lot of uh, like store signings. Um, so is that do you? are these stores that you have like a personal relationship with, or are you sort of going through like a, like a online database and going, all right, you know, this store is roughly an hour away from me. It might be worth my time to, to contact them. Like, how do you set up the, the store signings?
1: Um, so it's, it's normally personal relationships. So I try to have a relationship with those stores, whether they back the project um, because I normally get like four or five stores that back my project each time I do a Kickstarter or uh ones that are with like like you said within driving distance so uh, maybe i'll meet them at a con string up that relationship hey man i'm an indie comic creator here's my books i give them a couple i'd love to come in and do a signing with you so i have those conversations with them to try to build that um because the stronger that relationship is the the better results you're going to get you know um because i've noticed um Certain stores are good at certain things. So some of the stores that I go in, I make way more than Oliver at Con. But I've traveled out to to Jacksonville and did a signing, and though we I did okay, you know, a lot of the guys came up to me and said, "Hey, when can I get this through Diamond?" So they don't care about any comics. So it wasn't a fit for the store. So it's it's all playing that by ear. Uh, most stores love to have you in, and store signings, in my opinion, are way better than doing a Comic Con because Comic Con. You are literally competing with everybody around you. If you were there, you're the special attraction that day, right? Mm-hmm. You're the special, they want to come talk to you, they want to hear about your book. So you can give an honest, true pitch and, and get get a book signed. And I think that relationship matters. You know, I had people, I had someone at my last signing that showed up who was like, Travis, I came to see you. I've seen you in all your signings. I don't recognize this guy ever. I'm like, I have no idea who this guy is, but he was telling me about my book and like he clearly read it. So it's crazy that I've got to that point where people now, when they see that I'm doing a signing within the metropolitan area, they'll drive out, you know, a half hour away just to, to come meet me, to talk to me about the book and what I have laid. And some of them even track me on Kickstarter. They track the book on Kickstarter and then ask me, hey, man, uh, when, is, when is this book going to be at the store so I can get, it to get you to do a store signing? So it's, it's crazy, but highly recommend it. It's not as hard as you think but really have a relationship with that store. You know, don't just go into that store and like demand, you know, build a relationship that can be beneficial to both.
0: Yeah, I was lucky enough to do a, a signing um, for, for Paranormal Hitman. Um, I did a couple of backups in that and uh, I did it at the store that I, that I get my books from every Wednesday. So it was just like, hey, you know, I come in here every Wednesday, throw down a whole bunch of money to, to buy books and go home, you know, Right. Can you can you do me a solid and let me, you know, prop up a card table in the corner and, um, you know, sign some books. So, yeah, having that relationship with with the store does make it a, a lot easier.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And most of most stores that I've gone to have, uh, you know, not cared about the financial part of it. They, they let you do your thing. I've had a couple of stores that want to split the profits with me and I'm fine with that, too. Um, but it's all about building relationships. And, uh, I, I would rather sign at a store, even if I didn't make money to, to show, Hey, uh, you know, this store values me, this store sees me as a creator, just as much as anybody else who could be coming in for signing.
0: Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned something there that like you would rather sign at a store than, than, or, or, you know, go to a store to try to promote your books than a con. Do you have a different sort of, uh, pitching mentality at a store as opposed to to a con because at a con you know there's so much going on you know you might see somebody glance at your table and then you're like you sort of have to do that hey I saw you look at this thing are you interested in you know Cthulhu monsters like how do you how do you handle like you know somebody coming into a comic book store is obviously coming in because they're interested in comics somebody that's at a con might be there uh, but they're on their way to get their picture taken with the green power ranger. Like, how do you, how do you handle that sort of trying to pull people in? Do you do it differently at a con than you do at a store?
1: Well, I, I see Noah's face here. Noah is clearly looking at me telling you that nobody ever takes pictures with the green power ranger.
2: Nobody likes <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised.
1: <laughs> I don't know anything about power rangers. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, So my approach is different. I uh, get a little bit more intimate with my guys at a comic store, which is why I like it. I can get a little bit more one on one and kind of teach them the craft. One of the things that I don't like about cons is no offense, like, I don't want to teach you how to make comics or go on Kickstarter. i don't have time. I need to get to the next guy. Like, I paid $400 or whatever for this table. Like, you need to move on. Like, And I don't want to be rude, because I want I want to tell you all that information. You find me on the internet, I'll talk to you for hours if you message me, you know? And, and you guys know that. Matt, you and I have talked privately about stuff. Even after these things, we tend to talk about craft for a long time i don't mind doing that but it's not the proper place Mm -hmm. but i've seen people you know i think what you're referring to is there's people who will stand in front of the table in aggressive sale their comic books at a con that's that's not me at all uh and only reason why i don't do that not because i don't see the value or that you can sell i'm not about selling books i'm about gathering fans and i think that's a different mentality there's people who go out there and they aggressively sell their books because they got to make bank that's not what my goal is. My goal is to acquire those couple of fans who are going to latch on and read this book forever. I don't want you to just buy it, think this book was okay, and it gets thrown in a closet, and then your wife sees, hey, where'd you get this? Oh, I accidentally, I picked it up a con. Somebody sold it to me. All right, cool. Can I throw it away? Like, I don't want that. Like, I want you to go, dude, I love this series. Like, can I get issue two, three, and four? Can I, can I do this? You know, when's your next signing? I, I'm going to follow you to the end or when are you going to work for a publisher? That's what I'm looking for. So my mentality doesn't change just the way how much I, I relate to the, to the customer changes.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I know that Noah and I kind of feel the same way about the, the overly aggressive sort of, um, uh con salesman you know will i think noah and i sort of have the the standard hey i'm gonna make my way around i'll be back and sort of avoid that table for the rest of the con um so oh that's a great book with a lot of breasts on it i think i'll come back (laughs) around later um right. you did something interesting though at a con recently you had some promo materials for Cthulhu Invades um Wonderland yeah. um so how did how did you how did you do that like you, you know what people were coming up and I'm assuming you were like hey this is a like a free was were they free sort of like Ashcan previews like uh, oh no what? no
1: that's a full-on issue my dude it's a oh, full-on, full-on on
0: issue. issue
1: yeah so as you know um in the back end of Cthulhu Vids Wonderland, like we are so close to done. Mm
0: -hmm. Like
1: there is so much art, you know, we're at the, I think coloring is due at the end of this month, right? I think?
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Colorings due at the end of this month. Um, And then it goes on to lettering and stuff like that. We have been producing this book for such a long time. And so many people were ahead of the game. You know, I thought, you know, it's only going to cost like three or $400 to print some. Why don't I put some of the complete stories together and have, uh, you know, a, a preview of the book to get it for people? And my thought was a couple of things on this. One, I can CGC a couple for the Kickstarter to help us sell the Kickstarter because that's a premium ask. You can't CGC like the Cthulhu invades Oz, you, you know, or Cthulhu invades Wonderland. You can't CGC them because they're trades. Mm-hmm. Two, it's cool, right? Yeah. Like I, this is the first time. I have completed stories that I can just go and print and like bring to a con to make it cool. Like, why not? I'm at a point in my career that I have a little bit extra money because I make a little bit on each Kickstarter that that I could do that, which was kind of cool. And it allowed me to have an exclusive, but there's so many fans that we have that you, me, Noah, we all have that when they see us at cons, they're like, oh man, i back you on Kickstarter. So I got all your stuff. Like, I, I just wanted to stop and say, hi. I wanted to capture those fans too and go, oh, you don't have everything. Let mm-hmm. me show you this, you know, uh, you know, kind of the old daytime TV, you know, the sham wow. But no, look, there's more.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: um, so, yeah. So we made a 20 page book. I only printed 200 of them, um, you know, and just, just had it out there, which was super cool to have. And, you know, it's a, just kind of a preview with a four short of stories. The hardest part was picking those stories, right. Uh, like honoring people, and then you were shocked, right? One day I was just like, hey, I made a book. I didn't tell anybody about it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like go, hey, do you want your story in this? Because I didn't want anybody to fight. I was just like, I'm going to pick four. I wanted two main characters and two off characters was my goal. And I just posted it. Hey, this is a thing. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? This is a thing. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I haven't posted yet, Matt, uh, if you do a Kickstarter, I'm going to let you guys use that for the Kickstarter until we launch
0: nice as nice. a digital award cool and does it so you obviously are using this preview as a promo for the the upcoming kickstarter was there something like at the end of it that's like you know hey x date of you know 2021 like be on the lookout like for the the launch of the kickstarter like i'm assuming at that when you got through those four pages there was you know something to sort of peak interest and say, hey, you know, you enjoyed this now, get ready, more is coming uh, in the future on Kickstarter? Yeah, we,
1: we kind of said that something's coming. I didn't put a date or anything. And I also promoted another book. Uh, but yeah, there was some promotion in that. Um, and the one thing that I wanted to see is I wanted to see the engagement, because I got a lot more engagement of the Cthulhu Invades Wonderland than I did the Cthulhu Invades Oz. And I don't think it was because of the trade. I think it was, I think Alice is more popular than Oz because it's semi newer. And I think, uh, you know, it's been more in the limelight. Oz really, we have the original movie, nothing else has really made it, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you look at Alice, you have the Disney movie, you have the, the live action Disney movie that also did really well. And then you also have the Alice, what is that? The, I can't think of the guy, McGee. So the video game that was in like the '90s, the the Alice in Wonderland like creepy video game, something McGee Alice. Okay. Uh, the people who listen to it who know what I'm talking about are like, are yes, like that y- game. They're, they're yelling yeah. at their
0: iPads right or right, iPhones right, 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 right now because that
1: game was extremely popular. Made like seven editions because it was so so popular. Versus uh, Wonderland, like uh, Oz, you literally only have the one movie that really made it. There's other things, but nothing has been on the popularity. Get a sequel, you know, return to Oz came and went, even The Wiz came and went. And the uh, what was that? There, wasn't there one the Wonderful Wizard that came out a couple of years ago?
0: Sounds sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah exactly. that See, guy. that's my
1: point right there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Cool. So, you know, I think we've touched on a lot of stuff, but I want to make sure that we circle back to to expired because this is the thing that's, you know, currently going on. You're funded, you know, we're, you know, you you said that, did you reach stretch goal one already?
1: Uh, Yeah, we're at we've already reached stretch goal one and two. So you've unlocked a magnet um, of the the main Ryan Brown cover and you've unlocked a sticker. We also just put a new print up there, um, which I know prints, a lot of people don't love prints, but this print has, original art on it so it's not something from the book which is cool you know all the stuff that we've done so far and stuff so this print is original separate from everything else so i think that makes it cool it's kind of a black and white type of thing like uh you know the spider man covers where you got the the web uh, yeah the, the Gleason covers kind of kind of a, a feel on that uh, just a black and white version of one of the characters
0: Awesome, yeah. I always love the sort of the uh, the the little trinkets that, that we get. I'm I'm looking at my. Uh, it's over here. It's lost. It's it's lost its scent, but I, I have my broke down air freshener like hanging <laughs> nice. over by my uh, some of my short boxes over here. So I do love all the little trinkets that I get with a with a Travis Gibb production. Um, so I, I'm going to check in with Noah to see if he has any final questions um, as as we wrap up here um, on, on the on the podcast.
2: No, no final questions. Just thanks for coming on. I always learn something when you're on, which is great. And I'm excited to excited to see what comes next. I'm I'm very excited about the Oz Invades Wonderland because that's like two of my favorite stories ever. And what Matt shared with me of what Airtan and him are doing is pretty spectacular. So I'm excited to see what the rest of the book is gonna look like.
1: I'm gonna have to get you in the next one, Noah.
2: Well, I'll tell all oh, now it's on record. So you know. <laughs> i'll have everyone be there all my fans be there demanding it by the next time it comes around
1: <laughs> yeah well the next one is uh, uh we're going to neverland so assuming this one does it well we're going to neverland we're going to go visit peter and see what cthulhu feels about Peter, his shadow uh the mermaids, sinker bells all that fun stuff
0: nice yeah nice. i'm excited cool so um as we close up again, um, let people know where the best place to find you online, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. And give us that last sort of more more than an elevator pitch, a little bit more about expired um, to to encourage people. Um, and let's point out, um, you know, the Kickstarter is going on now. Uh, you got roughly what, 10 to 12 days at the time of the recording? Yeah, so 10 days. We're, we're on our end. Yeah. So time is of the essence here to, to get there and, and, and back it. But uh, let people know where they can find you online. Yeah,
1: so I can be found at uh, Travis Gibb on Facebook. Uh, Jester Lou, J-E-S-T-E-R-L-O-U. I will eventually explain why I have that for Twitter and Instagram. Um, but those are the easiest way. You can find me at dot on, basically any of my properties.com, you'll find me. Uh, so they all have individual websites. Um, so Expired. Expired is about an island, well, a series of islands, seven islands that where oxygen is very limited and there's a ruling class that's dictating how you breathe, what that looks like and kind of changing the narrative uh, for, for people and generations deciding who makes wealth, who gets to live long, all that. And this is a uh, fantasy story in that universe about what it's like to be under that impressive rule, what that looks like as you're trying to evolve and going to the next level. Um, But it's, it goes deeper than that. You know, we talk about gods, we we have fantasy creatures in there. So any of those kind of tropes you're going to see it's a very vast, really cool world, Uh, probably closer to Pirates of the Caribbean than water world, if you're, you're scared. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's a really cool adventure sci fi if you're kind of into that thing you want to want to check out something like that. Definitely the book for you. Uh, the characters are very deep, and we're going to do a lot of political, um, I'm going to do some commentary on, on some of the political stuff that's going on in the world, just because I can, and it kind of fits the theme. You know, it's not going to be preached, it's not gonna be a political book, but I'm going to do some commentary, and this universe kind of fits that commentary to, to share a narrative and build under a cool fantasy setting with gods, monsters, uh, heroes and villains, all that good
0: stuff. Very cool. Well, we're going to put a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes of the podcast to make it as easy as possible. Anybody listening, just call us up, scroll down, find that. We're going to have links to your to your social media as well. So, you know, this project and, you know, we know that, uh, you know, roughly three to four months from now, we've got to be on the lookout for, for another Travis Gibb uh, Orange Cone production. So we're going to put all of that stuff in the show notes. But uh, it was great catching up with you, Travis. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for being on.
1: That, thanks, Matt. Thanks, Noah.
0: Yep, no problem. Um, so I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter, and that is at Pod. Instagram is Constructing comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. Thanks for listening. Please be nice, be safe, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.